0: So you've created some videos, you've pressed the upload button and they all live happily on your channel. Then you notice that somebody else has taken your work and actually used it on their channel, claiming fair use. Are they actually allowed to do that? Can you take somebody else's music and use it in the background of your videos as long as you credit them in the description? Do you really know your rights when it comes to your content and what you can and cannot do? It's very important to understand these right as you're building out your YouTube channel. And that's what we're diving into on today's episode of Tube Talk. Welcome to Tube Talk, the show dedicated to helping you become a better video creator
1: so you can get more views, subscribers, and build your audience. Brought to you by vidIQ. Download for free at vidIQ.com.
0: And welcome to another episode of Tube Talk. My name is Liron Segev. I am your host. I am a tech blogger, a YouTuber, and the director of customer success here at vidIQ. Every day, I help creators big and small, level up their channels, understand their strategy, get more subscribers, more views in less time. As we know, some of the biggest channels on YouTube are actually reaction channels. Is this allowed? We often hear people saying, oh, but I'm only using three seconds, and as long as i are using X number of seconds of somebody else's clip, it's perfectly fine. Well, is that really the case? Digital rights management isn't a simple topic, so I needed an expert, and that expert is Ryan from Superbet. Ryan really understands content creators, really understands digital rights management, and knows how to get those rights back to the rightful owner so the rightful owner can actually make money off their hard blood, sweat, and tears that they poured into their content. Ryan, welcome to Tube Talk.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here.
0: Okay, so Ryan, let's start at the top. I upload my video onto YouTube. I own that video. I own that information. It's my intellectual property. Is that where we start?
1: Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think one of the most basic uh, things that the content creators need to understand is just what their rights are, uh, when they own rights, what they have to do to own those rights, uh, and, and kind of where that starting point is. So. Look, you know, anytime you create something and put it into a fixed, transferable format, uh, you own a copyright. Uh, you don't have to register that copyright, so there is no requirement to go to the U.S. Copyright Registry Office and and register your your content there. Um, once you put it into a fixed format, uh, you know you have created a copyright, um, and, and you can do what you want with that copyright. Um, you can sell it to someone else you can upload it to uh, a digital platform uh, and put it out to the world for everyone to see uh, but you know it's really important to understand that that you that is a thing for you as soon as you have created um, something unique that that you own
0: okay so it's effectively like owning a physical thing that you know I could lease it out if I want to I could give it to you to destroy I, it's, it's my choice to do with it as I please since it belongs to me Exactly. Okay. So now that we understand that, so I've got a piece of content, I've shot my YouTube video, I uploaded it, I gave it a beautiful title and a thumbnail and all that good stuff. And then I put it out into the world. Now I still own it. And if other people go ahead and share that on my behalf, I'm totally okay with it. And they're not infringing on any rights. In fact, we encourage them to do that. That's correct.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you want to allow people to repurpose your content that is completely within uh, your jurisdiction to do so.
0: But now we have a situation where people are maybe reacting to my content, or maybe they take a piece of my content and they add commentary to that. What happens in that case? So this
1: really gets into uh, a lot of what fair use is meant to address, right? Um, and, And let me give the caveat before I start down that path that Look, it, it, fair use is really up to a judge to decide. Uh, it's a defense that someone can use against a claim of copyright infringement. Um, and, you know, if you're going to argue a fair use defense, you should always consult your lawyer um, prior to doing that. That's a, a really important piece. It's, it's extremely complex. There's four points to it. Um, and, you know, there's kind of like a certain stripe of content that really fair use was meant to allow for um which is news uh nonprofit um uh education um those sorts of things that you know it, it, it's harder for those type of companies to come up with the money to be licensing content whereas if you're doing it for commercial purposes Uh, That's a very different use of content. So uh, look, when it comes to a lot of React channels, I mean, they're all over YouTube, right? Like Mm -hmm. we've seen thousands of these things. Um, In large part, uh, you know, they don't really fall under um, the exclusions for fair use, right? They're not really transformative. They're not really adding thing. I mean, the most most of uh, the React channels that are out there, kind of have an intro of somebody saying what's up guys you've been asking me forever to uh, react to this video so today I've got creator x y and z's video up for you and uh, let's just hop into it and then they play you know the entirety of the video um, which gets into one of the four points of fair use which is the mountain substantiality um, of the work taken and you know over the course of the video they'll just kind of be like oh wow oh that's crazy oh man I love that thing uh, you know, and then they come to the tail end of the video and they wrap it up with, wow, guys, well, that video is great. Uh, make sure that you leave a comment down in the comments below about what you thought about my reaction or what you thought about the video. Smash that like button and subscribe. Let me know what you want me to react to you next and I'll see you guys next time. Right? Right. right. So this gets into, again, the four points of fair use. What's the purpose and character of the use? Um, you know, oftentimes these are people that are, trying to create new content off of existing content and create a commercial base for themselves, which kind of puts everything into a little bit of a wonky balance. Um, The nature of the copyrighted work, so was the work that you originally took out for commercial purposes? If that was out for commercial purposes and your content is out for commercial purposes, that puts them really opposed to each other. Um, You know, The big question, like I said earlier, is kind of how is, what is the amount and substantiality of the Mm -hmm. content that has been used? If you've used the entire video and reacted to the whole video, uh, it provides the question, okay, if someone were to consume your piece of content, would they need to go back and consume the other piece of content? Which the answer, if you've used all of it, is probably no, which gets to the fourth point of fair use, which is effective use uh, upon the potential market so basically by creating this piece of content you've removed the need for someone else to go consume that content Um, so in large part react videos don't really fit under what fair use was meant to address um, kind of for all of those purposes now there are ways in which react content can lean more towards fair use Um, if you really are adding to the conversation about it. Um, If you're using limited portions of the piece of content to kind of illustrate the point that you're trying to make, if you're talking about how that piece of content reflects on uh, public affairs that are going on or that sort of thing, um, that can lean you more towards it being fair use. But again, as I said when we first started this, was keep in mind that this is a defense, right? So if somebody thinks that you've infringed on their copyrights, you can say that this is fair use. Uh, and, and and talk about that uh, in a discussion with them that ultimately is really on a judge to decide if it were to get to that level of being litigated.
0: So, so the onus is on who to prove that it's fair use. Is it on me as the person using that content, reacting, or is it on the original content creator to say, this person has used my content?
1: Yeah, so in a fair use defense... Uh, The onus is really on you to take whatever you have created. So if it's a react video, take your react video, Mm -hmm. hold it against these four points of fair use and try to articulate why it would fit that legal exclusion uh, under the copyright law.
0: Okay. So let's just, let's just go through those four points one more time. What are the four points?
1: Yeah. So the four factors of fair use are the purpose and character of the use, the nature of the copyrighted work, the amount and substantiality of the portion taken, and the effect upon uh, the potential market uh, for the original content—all um, of those things really have to be balanced and factored together. There's no one smoking gun right. uh, that creates it as a, a strong use uh, or a strong case for fair use. You really have to measure it against all four things and take that into consideration when you're trying to assess if your content could be uh, could could fit the legal exclusion for fair use. These are super complicated. I mean, if you you know, if you were to start to unpack some of the cases that have been litigated, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it gets it gets muddy really quick. Um, And even different judges have fallen kind of on different sides on the same points of this. Um, So it, it, it really depends again, you know, how much did you use? Did you really, like, was it really transformative? Did you really take this thing and talk about it and use it to illustrate an original idea or point that you had that you were trying to make?
0: Okay. Okay. So it's not as simple as, you know, one, two, three, and four, Well, I've got three out of the four, therefore I'm perfectly fine what tools do we have at our disposal for this?
1: Yeah, so for the standard content creator, what most people have is some ability inside a video manager to locate copies of their content. Um, that's the very base level service that, that YouTube offers. And if you can right. do that from your video manager, it's kind of what's called Content ID Lite. Uh, it, it is a version of Content ID. Which Content ID is a product that YouTube uh, created back and launched in 2007 that allows you to deliver reference files to YouTube or copies of your videos um, that help you kind of scale this intellectual property management. Um, uh, So, um,
0: is is that like a almost like a fingerprint of your particular copy that you know that that's your original content that you uploaded?
1: Yeah, exactly. It's an exact copy into a separate server. Um, at YouTube uh, that basically you can define to YouTube how you want copies of that content to behave. And that can be to monetize the content, track the content, block the content, or take down the content. Now, to be clear on, on takedowns, um, I think there's a big uh, misperception that YouTube is issuing these, these takedowns, and this is done by quote-unquote copyright bots, um, which is not the case in particular with takedowns. Takedowns actually require you, even when you have access to more product functionality, um, to, to fill out a form and, and actually issue that copyright strike. Um, so that process can't be automated. But discovery under different policy types uh, actually can be automated and then content is reviewed and a decision is made as to whether it matches uh, your, your uh, reference file or not. Uh, At a manual level
0: I don't have to do anything extra in other words if I upload my video onto YouTube Do does do they kind of get that? Fingerprint content ID do they create that at that point or do I have to go into another system and tell them? Hey, this belongs to me
1: So there's really kind of two systems right one is if you're an individual creator Uh, there is this, you may or may not have access to it. Not everybody has access to this. So it's something that you can apply for and YouTube decides. Um, But this ability to kind of find some content. Uh, Or there are companies like SuperBAM that can actually help you deliver full reference files into the system um, and, and have access to even more functionality that YouTube provides called manual claiming. Where we can help manage uh, our copyrights on on the YouTube platform.
0: Got you, got you, got you. So if I'm just using the default set of tools, I may or may not have the system in my video manager in the new studio. It's no longer studio beta, luckily. In the new studio, I may be able to issue a copyright. I'm going to the copyright option and see if somebody else has used my content and then give them an option to either email them nicely to remove it or issue them the the notice to, to get off the system however yeah. that's not going to get everything right
1: yeah no so content id definitely has some restrictions um, mostly based around uh, time code um, so if the match isn't long enough content id won't find it and that's why in in really a robust uh, you know rights management strategy you also need to have human beings that are looking for more of your content and trying to find it out there
0: okay so Now we're moving towards the BAM arena where if I am maybe not an individual creator, maybe I'm part of a bigger corporate or maybe I'm in the music industry and everything is royalties and I need to be able to be paid out and pay my artist out, I'm not gonna just rely on the default tools. BAM really is gonna come in and help me in this particular case, right?
1: Yeah, exactly, that's exactly what we do. So we do both sides of it where we both deliver your reference files into the system Uh, and and then we have a team of people who search for more of the content and where we find that content, uh, you know, we're able to place claims on it. And, you know, usually you need to use manual claiming for instances where people are doing compilation videos, um, or maybe short form clips that really don't fit the exclusion for fair use or any of the other legal exclusions that we wouldn't claim a video for. Mm. Um, uh, you know, there's quite a bit of that. Um, so it's really important that you do have both sides of it to be properly managing your copyrights
0: Okay, so this is getting more in-depth. Have you find, like, with With all your years of doing that and with your customer base Have you found content landing up in weird and wonderful places that we definitely would have missed if we just did our own search?
1: Yeah, all the time. Uh, <laughs> you know, you see, again, talking about compilation videos, you see so many compilation videos out there, whether it's, you know, stuff like Fail Army, um, where it's just a bunch of fail videos or people are awesome. Those are properties that are owned by Jukin. So those are all licensed videos. Um, but it's so many other people take that type of content and repurpose it in, in their own version of something like that. And then you know, blasted all over the internet, not just on YouTube, but on Facebook and Instagram and, and, and Twitter, uh, literally any platform they can get their hands on, right. um, trying to build an audience off of, of that stuff.
0: Well, and, and monetize, I suppose as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, most frequently these people are doing this to monetize, whether it's, you know, whether it's native on the YouTube channel that they're, they're trying to build, or they're using that as leverage to push to, a website or, right. or yes. something else, uh, that, that's how people tend to uh, repurpose content.
0: Once you find some content, so did you come to me, if I'm your client, Do you come to me and say, look, we discovered your content here, here, and here, what do you want to do? And what are my options?
1: Yeah, so for, for our clients today, uh, we help them manage their intellectual property rights on YouTube. Um, you know, every time we onboard a client, we have a conversation about what policies they want, what things they do want to allow, so it's very custom here. Um, and, and then go ahead and implement those policies out there. Um, you know, the other platforms, they actually haven't really built out uh, product functionality to do this kind of stuff yet. Um, Facebook sort of has it with Rights Manager. Um, it is takedown only. Um, so, you know, that is uh, something that we're really hoping that they they build out better and make more available to more of their clients. Um, uh, but right now, today, off of YouTube, it's very difficult to manage these rights um, short of sending ce- cease and desist letters and, right. uh, and or trying to contact the platform directly to get, get the content removed.
0: Okay. So if we go back to then focus on to YouTube, once you do find content that's out there and that content maybe now has got 500,000 views and all that revenue should have technically come to me, what can I do about this at this stage?
1: You know, in working with a rights management provider like SuperBAM, uh, whenever we make a claim, any monetization from it is 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 go forward from there, right? So if 500,000 views have already occurred, uh, you can't go back and quote-unquote recapture that revenue. Right. Um, but you can monetize any future views going forward from there. Uh, you know, I mean, the option is always there if you want to reach out to the, the channel and try and go chase down whatever money they made you can totally do that and you'd have the rights to it. Um, but that can be very expensive to do. And, mm-hmm. and the dollars that they've made may not be significant enough to yeah. actually go do that in all the cases. So typically what most people do is they'll just monetize going forward um, and ignore what's already occurred. But part of, you know, working with somebody like super bam would be to mitigate those things at all. Right. If you have the content in the system, the likelihood that we're going to be able to find it, before it gets to 500,000 or even 500 million views. I mean, we have, we have several videos that, that we've issued claims against the Super Bam that are in the hundreds of millions of views of repurposed content. Uh, you know, it's, it's better to have all that stuff in the system and start from the beginning um, than try to go chase down things that have already occurred.
0: Okay. So essentially, if I sign up with you and you have now my reference files the odds of somebody being able to use it elsewhere without you knowing are significantly less than if I just upload and then react to it later on. Absolutely. Okay. Now, speaking of clients of yours, um, do you only work with large corporates with millions of subscribers for this to make sense? Or is this a platform that perhaps is open to people with smaller channels?
1: So right now, today, uh, we're mostly working with, with larger clients. Uh, you know, our average subscriber count of our client is about three and a half million subscribers. Um, so we're working with pretty big channels. Um, and then we are working with some enterprise uh, clients as well, um, like Group 9 and, and Nitro Circus. Um, uh, you know, we'd love to make it more democratic. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're working to see if there's options that make it, that have it make sense for both sides. Um, cause obviously it is a business and we have bills to pay and people to pay and, <laughs> um, but it is really important, I think for, for everyone to be able to manage their, their IP rights as soon as they start creating content. Cause the reality is, is once you create content, put it somewhere, very likely it's going to go everywhere. Um, and, yeah. and that could happen in very short order. And you know, in some cases it's, it's only a small percentage of what you get on your owned and operated, but there's also a ton of use cases where we see that what I call user generated content or UGC views uh, far exceed uh, what we got on the owned and operated side of the business. Um, one client of mine, uh, Scott D.W., his most popular video has about 100 million views on his YouTube channel. Um, but there has been so much third-party uploads of his content that in total, just on YouTube, his content has closer to 1.3 billion views. Right. Um, and when we look at the internet in total, uh, you know, it's, it's more like 2 billion, 2.5 billion views. Right. Um, you know, so, and, and that's not really a fringe use case either. Uh, it may sound like it, but um, you see that quite a bit uh, right. with, with, mm-hmm. with popular content.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I can see it even with my own personal content. I mean, I don't have a big channel, but I see it time and time again when people literally take the entire video and then they'll re-upload it knowing that it's me in the video. They're not even pretending that it's them, but yeah. they're looking for that affiliate links at the bottom in that description or they're looking to monetize it. And I have to manually go one by one and make sure that I take down the, those, those videos. So if right. I'm a small channel doing this, I can absolutely imagine a huge channel, very popular. It's it's easy picking.
1: Well, more times than often, you know, people come to us because they found one video or they found maybe five videos of people repurposing their content that do have a lot of views. But oftentimes, when we add the reference files into Content ID, we end up with thousands of matches wow. in a very short period of time, uh, usually within days. <laughs> That is crazy. Um, so, oftentimes, you know, there's kind of an onion and you may have just gotten the first layer, um, but there, there's quite a bit more uh, to the whole entire story.
0: Wow. Okay. So, in which case, is there a point in time in, in somebody's YouTube career where they have to say, okay, I'm going to stop uploading natively? I've got to find Superbab, get onto that system, and this is now a good time for us to engage?
1: Yeah. I mean, the more you start seeing your content repurposed, it, it, it's, it's time to, to give us a call. Um, you know, look, I mean, if you're trying to make a business out of, out of creating content, which is what most people listening to this podcast are very likely trying to do, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's not a good use of your time to be chasing down people that are trying to uh, to take advantage of you. Um, the best use of your time is to be focused on creating new content. That's where we're really a partner for you. If you're seeing that kind of thing, uh, you know, there's no reason to deal with it yourself. There are companies out there that that want to help you manage that and can do it in a way that's beneficial on both sides.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it's almost like sort of a type of insurance, like it's my work, I have put in the time, sweat and tears into this. I want to make sure that all revenue occurs back to me. It's a simple business case from my side as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, totally. And, and, and look, like, I think it's really important to note to creators too, that that, you should respect these rights quite a bit. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, oftentimes people will ask you if it's okay to use their video or or your, video, uh, in in something they're creating. Um, and you may say, okay. Um, and, and they don't pay you anything, but then they end up creating something that gets, you know, a tremendous amount more views than what, what you've gotten. And now you've not been compensated at all. Um, because you told this person, okay, go ahead and use it, you know, it's, it's fair for you to be able to share in that revenue or, or at least get a license fee uh, for somebody using their content if they're going to go make hundreds or thousands of dollars off of something that you've created.
0: Cool, but it's, it's a fine line because um, you know, on the one hand, you maybe want that exposure out there, exposure to their audience, and maybe the price you pay isn't um, sharing in the upside of the revenue, but at least you're getting that exposure. But it's a decision that you're making, being the content owner. You're allowed to make that decision to say yes or no. And if they, if you say no and they use it anyway, well, now you have some ability to say, "Hey, here is proof. I told you not to use it." Now we have, now we're having a very, very different discussion.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And just other platforms. Since we would, ask, we did mention it a little bit earlier. You mentioned Facebook. You mentioned Twitter. Um, are you looking at things like TikTok?
1: Yeah, I mean, we're looking at at every platform that exists really um, uh, you know, TikTok, VK, which is kind of a Russian Facebook. Yes. Okay. Lee.com, Yuku giffy, Giphy daily motion. Uh, I mean, you name it. Uh, our goal is to be able to help you manage your rights on, on those platforms. Um, as I said earlier, we're not quite there yet as far as like getting all the infrastructure built out at super bam. Uh, but um, uh, the goal over time is, is to be able to be, A holistic rights management service provider
0: yep it's the service you need but don't know you need it yet yeah
1: yeah absolutely I mean it's you know I I talk a lot to creators about creating your team these days because a lot of creators are starting to move out of just this being a hobby into into it really being a business Um, and so many of us started this started creating content you know uh, where it was just us doing the content Mm -hmm. in our bedroom in the kitchen, in the living room, whatever, um, and and being the beginning, middle, and end of the whole entire thing. As your business becomes bigger, it's really important to keep in mind that there are things that you're gonna need that you're not gonna be able to do yourself. Um, yes. It's important to have a lawyer. It's important to have an accountant. It's important to have, you know, if you're big enough, a manager or an agent who can actually represent you and knows how to negotiate deals in a way where you end up making more money. It's important to have a rights management provider. Um, all of these things become really crucial as you're, you're building out a sustainable business long-term.
0: It is a business at the end of the day. Most people start off, or a lot of people start off by maybe as a hobby and as it grows and they see a little bit of income coming in, it, at a point it will turn into a business. And yeah. just like every business, you go through a growth spurt and a growth phase and then you start hiring. So I agree, part of your hiring team or part of your hiring strategy should be someone looking after your wallet, your money, which is going to be your rights of the intellectual property that you created. So it is one of those things that, as I said, a service you didn't know you needed, but you absolutely do.
1: Totally. Yeah. It's, it's something that a lot of people don't think about until they realize that it's a problem. Well, uh, and, until and, they realize
0: and, they've lost um, X thousands of dollars <laughs> because somebody else just ripped their video.
1: Yeah, Exactly.
0: Okay, so Ryan, people listening to this and maybe they're in, in, an enterprise person who's got a lot of intellectual property. Now they're hearing this and are going, oh dear, I haven't done anything about this. Or maybe they know that their content's already out there and they're a pretty big channel and they're losing on dollars as we chat. How can they find you to get more information?
1: Yeah, totally. So you can find us at superbam.com uh, and fill out our form. We'll get back to you quickly. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, twitter at super you can also send us an email uh to we at super com
0: oh dig that email address that's that's pretty cool and thank again you. everything will be in the show notes Brian, thank you for unpacking this topic a little bit for us totally well thank you so much for having me on the podcast today absolutely and for you guys still listening please don't forget to hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast podcast application leave us a review let us know how we're doing who else should we interview what kind of topics are you guys into and share this episode with one of your favorite creator buddies so they know what their rights are and they could actually monetize thanks for hanging out we'll catch you guys on the next episode of tube talk cheers for now we hope you enjoyed this episode of tube talk brought to you by fit iq head over to vidIQ.com slash talk for today's show notes and previous episodes.
1: Enjoy the rest of your video-making day.